0: Grace, mercy, and the peace of God that comes to us because of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, be and abide with you. Amen. The Lord is risen, he is risen indeed, Hallelujah. We're going to keep saying that, so if that's brand new to you, bear with us. It's part of our tradition, it's uh, built into the history of the church, that this is a call and response connected to the joy of Easter. The song that we just sang, Is He Worthy, begins with words about the brokenness of the world. Do you feel the world is broken? And the response in that song is we do. And certainly lately, it seems like the world feels broken. There's a lot going on that's difficult that's, that feels wrong. And in this season, we're, we're talking about living hope in our in our message series. And so that hope is important to us in this feeling of brokenness in the world. The series that we're in is connected to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So our, our kind of theme, our foundation for this series, we talked about last week. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's hope. We live in hope. And today in our Living Hope series, we're going to talk about living in hope. What does life look like in the hope of Easter that we share? But first we're going to talk about fear. Is there something that you fear? Something that strikes fear in your hearts? There are some common phobias. One of those is public speaking. And so, as I often stand on Sunday mornings before people, there's a a relatability to that fear. And it's actually harder for me in a lot of ways. I feel more, I guess, nervous about talking to a camera and just my family than I do when we have several people here, lots of people here in the building. How about the fear of spiders? Anyone arachnophobia? I got some yes happening from family members right now. How about fear of what other people can do? The fear of punishment is a pretty common fear. I read about one just uh, over this weekend that's new to me, uh, though it makes sense. It's called nomophobia, and it's the fear of being without your mobile phone. Maybe you're worried that it's, or nervous that it's been misplaced, or it's been stolen, or you're out of range of a signal, or that your battery won't last long enough. And they say that people who are more addicted to the use of the mobile phone are more likely to have that. A number of years ago, 60 Minutes and Vanity Fair, they do a poll together, a survey of people, and they found that a striking number of people were afraid of receiving a letter about jury duty which I found surprising. I mean, I've only gotten that letter a few times. I think two or three is all. Um, And I have yet to report. I mean, well, you're required to report. So I don't know what that does, but it's wood. I think there's a a common fear, particularly this time of year, that did we file correctly and on time and did everything arrive with with our mailing that had to go or our electronic filing that had to go to the IRS Did that happen the way that we need it to? With a series about hope, why are we talking about fear this morning? Why are we starting there? Well, it's because our reading actually begins uh, or early in it, are these words conduct yourself with fear. We do have common fears common fears in our lives. So there, there's the fear of, of injury, the fear of illness, the fear of death, and commonly in this time frame that we're living in, the fear of this pervasive, contagious virus that's affecting so much of our lives. There's a the fear of contracting it, right? We don't want to get it, and so that's the whole purpose of social distancing and making sure that we don't touch surfaces and touch our faces and you see a lot of people wearing masks around. And now Milpitas, if you're going to go into, um, into a business that's considered an essential business, you have to have a mask on. So if you're going to go into a store, a restaurant, any place where you're going to interact with people, it's now a, a city, um, I guess an ordinance or whatever, but you have to have a mask. And it's connected to the fear. That's also connected to the wisdom of not getting ill. I mean, that's part of it as well. So there's this fear that we might contract the virus and the fear of what could happen if we do. And again, that's a wise fear. We don't want to contract it. We don't want to take chances. That wouldn't wouldn't be smart. And so while there's fear connected to it, it's not necessarily bad to be afraid. Afraid of what can hurt us, afraid of what can cause us pain, afraid of things that can cause our suffering. It's not irrational to be afraid of this illness. It might be irrational to be afraid of an alien invasion, and there are people who are afraid of that. There's also fears of war, of nuclear disaster, of shortage of supply. And it seems like for the last six weeks, we've had shortage of one thing or another. And one thing in particular that's harder to get. As we conduct ourselves with fear, though, it's not phobias, it's not fear of things of this world, it's not fear of little creepy crawly things, it's not fear of things that can hurt us. We fear and love God. Verse 17, and these, uh, this is part of the section that was read in First Peter today. Uh, thank you, Lori, for reading. Verse 17 says this, If you call on him... As father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Within just a couple of words, Peter identifies God both as judge and as father. Those are, in some ways, there's a tension there. There, there's a difference between those two identifiers for God. God as judge, well, that would strike fear for us. God as father, on the other hand, well, that shouldn't because there's a relationship there. There's a, a family connection there. There's, there's love there. Peter's word is actually phobos, fear. And that's the word we get phobia from. So we fear, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And what are we afraid? What is this fear that he's referring to? Luther picks up this uh, whole idea in the explanation of the commandments in the small catechism when he says, we fear and love God. Picking up this idea of fear and of fearing even God. And we do fear God because he is the judge. This is, in, in a lot of ways, the same kind of healthy fear that we have toward, toward the coronavirus. There's a fear of it. There's the fear of the judgment of God that, that makes us respect and honor God. And in many ways, God has been domesticated in our kind of cultural Christianity if you will. God is loving and kind and grace-filled, and those things are absolutely true. But a lot of times, we focus more on the love and the grace of God than we do on God who is judge. God who is the judge commands our respect and awe. When I was in college, I um, was in a, lived in a fairly small town in Indiana where the school was. Um, small city, I should say. And uh, I was crossing from one, from my school was way on the east, and I was going over kind of beyond the city to the west side, and I got close to where I was going. Um, but at that time, my, the car I was driving, the, only one headlight worked um, regularly. If I put the bright lights on, then, then both would work, but only one worked in the, in the low beam. Um, and so what happened was that evening, that night while I was driving, the other one went out. And so all I had were my bright lights. And so there was an intersection I had to go through and I was fairly close to where I was going and I was at this intersection and there was a car across from me. And because I had my bright lights on, they flashed their bright lights back at me, which is the sensible thing to do. I've done it myself. When somebody's driving at me with the bright lights on, there's the, hey, what are you doing? That's awfully bright, and if they don't pay attention to that, then the it's kind of, hey, leave them on a little longer. Um, anyway, so that's happening. I'm getting flashed the bright lights from the guy across the way. There's a police car kind of behind me and over just on the side of the street, and I get flashed a couple more times, and then the light turns green, and I start to go, and just then I see the, the lights come on, And I get pulled over, and my explanation is simple. I just don't have bright lights that aren't uh, the high beams. And so the police officer, while he understands, (laughs) still issues me a citation. So I get the ticket, and what I had to do was fix it. I had to fix it either way. So I went and got headlights, and I put them in and got it done, and So then my car was fixed. It actually didn't take that much effort or cost that much money, so I regretted not having had it done already. But I got it done, and I thought, well, now that it's done, I could go to the court and ask for mercy. So that day came, and I put on some nicer clothes than a college student often wears. And I went in to the courts and, you know, there was a whole bunch of people and they just call you one by one for, I guess, for all the traffic violations and whatever are on the docket that day. And, um, and so we're going through and they finally uh, call my name and I go up. And at that moment, I was, I was nervous. I was, I was afraid. And the perspective that the worst thing this judge could say was no and then i would just still have this ticket which probably wasn't that much that that left like that was gone i was just terrified this guy's a judge and whatever he says goes and he's going to he's judging me right now and i was afraid i like mean, i remember i was really nervous about this you know will i say the right thing will i you know will he will he have leniency will he show mercy to me a poor college student. That's the kind of fear that we can approach God with. It it makes sense to approach the God who judges with, with fear. And yet, as we fear God because he judges, we also love God as Father. We call on him in that way, and through him we were ransomed. This is what the text in 1 Peter goes on to say, that we were ransomed. A ransom is a payment. A a payment often for a person who is a, a captive, a hostage, or a prisoner of some kind. Or for a slave. Among Peter's audience, and it's believed that this letter was directed toward the Christians of Asia Minor. And among those churches, those very early churches, were some former slaves. We know this from uh, some of the identifiers in the New Testament, how that is talked about for slaves, and, and um, Onesimus is one who's actually named by, by name. So among this, this group, there are former slaves. They would have known well what a ransom was. We can even relate to that word because we're aware of it, because it's familiar to us. We needed to be freed as prisoners, captives, even slaves to sin and to an empty way of life. Peter identifies that as the feudal ways inherited from forefathers. And toward that, Jesus paid for us. That ransom. This is what it says in verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus died for us. That's why the cross is such a prominent, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Symbol. A prominent we, we keep it on display. This morning, you know, the cross is always here on the wall. The cross is here. Even in the middle of this pyramid on the altar that says rejoice and has the colors and the flowers on it. The cross is in the center of that. Because the death of Jesus for our sin, to pay that ransom on our behalf, is the that's the focus of the story. That's the focus of our That's the focus of the entire narrative. On the road to Emmaus, and that was in our gospel reading today, these couple of disciples are walking along, and and Jesus comes and he's walking along with them, and they don't recognize him. And it's always an interesting thing. Do they not recognize him because their eyes are downcast or because his appearance is different? And I believe it's a combination of both. In their grief, in their concern, they're probably not even really paying attention to what's going on around them and the crowd that's around them. Maybe you felt that kind of grief where where life can just keep going and you're kind of feeling stuck, like you're not even aware of conversations, of what day it is, those kinds of things. And so it's even still Easter in that gospel reading. Because this, this just has happened. You know, we've gone by two weeks, and it feels like Easter now is a couple weeks ago. For these guys, this was this that morning. And they're just, you know, now they're on their way. And Jesus comes along, and he's speaking with them. And they still don't know or recognize him, but he starts to explain, and he starts to teach, and he talks to them about how the Old Testament, Moses, and the prophets, there are, there are, prophecies in there. There are things about Jesus, even in the middle of the Old Testament. Things that he would do. The sacrifice that was made to ransom and redeem Egypt or Israel from Egypt. The first Passover, which was in the calendar, the same time of year, the same things were happening. This remembrance of the Passover was going on when Passion Week happened. And so Jesus connected all these things together for them, and then when he broke the bread and celebrated with them, then they recognized him. Then their eyes were opened. He was the perfect sacrifice for us if the Passover lambs sacrificed for Israel, those were the model. Jesus was the fulfillment. We call that type and anti-type. The ransom was paid, and so we are free, and because of that, faith and hope are in God. Verse 21, you, through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. We're believers in God who raised him from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is the source of our faith and our hope. And it is assurance for us. See, Easter isn't some happy ending to the cross story. It's not some, you know, Disney movie wrap up and make everything work out fine, you know, and the hero rides off into the sunset kind of way to complete the, the passion narrative and the death of Jesus, that's not what it is. I mean, it is a happy ending, of course, but it's so much more than that. The resurrection of Jesus is so much more. It is assurance for us. It is the redemptive power of God on full display. And it is the promise for all who believe. We're united with Jesus in a resurrection like his. We have everlasting life to look forward to, and that is our hope. Our hope is for what is to come, and yet we still have that in the present as well. We have hope today. We have hope now. We can live in hope. There's all these things that we're going to fear. It feels like the world is broken. We still have baggage that we carry. We still have hardships in our lives. We still have this virus that's controlling a lot of what we can do and where we can go and various things. We still have worry and concern about what's going on or maybe what might happen. But We live in hope. We live in hope and we love one another. This is what it looks like to live in hope. That means love one another. Listen to what Peter says in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is the mark of the church. The mark of the life of faith is love. It's love for God and it's love for one another. It's love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's love for His church, not even specific congregations, but we love the church of God in Jesus because that's our calling. And we love others around us. That comes from faith. The love that we have in this way, this love that comes from hope, isn't internally born, it comes from faith. Even in verse 23, it says, since you have been born again. We've been born again into this living hope. That was in verse 3, remember. Born again into this living hope, and in that we love one another. Faith in Jesus is the source of our love, in other words. Among the elders this week circulated an article in um, The Atlantic that was critical of Christians during this current time, and it was written by a Christian. So before we think, oh, yeah, here's a magazine bashing Christians, it was written by a Christian, I think the son of a pastor who has served in the church. And the criticism was during this current crisis that's going on, that there are Christians being seen not being loving, but being more self-concerned than concerned about others for being careless and callous with words that sound judgy in a time when actions are complicated words are probably more important so let's prove them wrong let's prove the author of that article wrong by by loving by loving one another, and by loving people around us. It's complicated right now because what can we do and where can we go and to whom can we speak and interact, but there are definitely ways. Just as we found a way to worship in this virtual space, we can find ways to love one another and to love people around us, to support our neighbors, to be friends among our neighbors, populations, our circles, we still are interacting with people, most of us at least, and we can love. And in that love, we can live like Jesus. We are saved, we are freed, we are ransomed, we are redeemed by the holy, precious blood of Christ. And so we are now holy people of God, called to live our lives reflecting his grace, to live a life of holiness you back up just before our reading, in verses 14 and 15, it talks about that. Live a life of holiness. Because we belong to God, even as exiles in this world, scattered believers. Here we are in this time, scattered believers. As we conduct ourselves with fear and respect for God, yet love for him and love for others. That is the life that we're being called to. That's living in hope. That's living in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus. The one who saved and ransomed and redeemed us so that we can live our lives for him. Live in hope. Amen.